Hello, welcome to Brownline Church's Midweek Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm here with Kyle. Hello. And today, uh, after our discussion on Sunday about uh, anti-racism and quarantine and listening to God for guidance in these big matters that don't have a playbook, uh, one thing that came up, Kyle, um, which I found really interesting, I wanted to make our topic for today, is uh, the concept of competing Jesuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, we had uh, pretty lively in the chat was the fact that uh, a hard thing about discerning guidance, um, how do I hear from God, is the fact that there are always a lot of voices in a lot of our lives, maybe one degree or two degree removed from us, who seem to claim Jesus is about very different things. And that is, um, that's hard externally because you're not sure how to like settle that with, mm-hmm. with those people. Like, especially if you're somebody who, for whom faith is a passion or a, a real important thing in your life, like how do you square that, that my Jesus looks this way and this other person's Jesus look that way. Um, but it's also hard internally because it does it like it, you can't help, but let that strife that's outside, uh, that dissonance kind of work its way into you. Uh, how does that hit you? I think it's actually a bit inescapable to wrestle with what does Jesus mean um, and what does Jesus teach and not also wrestle with the political climate of our country. And so I think that this is one of those places that I think it's important for us to say that Jesus was not apolitical and that this this is not a, a conversation particularly when we're talking about things of racism and even for that sake covid the reaction to how much we need to be careful with covid and exposing the most vulnerable is very much something that is defined along the political spectrum and once again particularly true amongst evangelicals who are conservative in the way they've reacted to these things and so i think the crisis of understanding of how does this make sense for people that take uh, a different understanding of where Jesus would stand on these conversations, what I believe he stands, feels like something we're, we're forced to wrestle with on a daily basis right now. Yeah. I wonder if we can split up the conversation between the internal side and the external side, and maybe that'll help us kind of sift through um, what could be helpful for all of us listening right now. Um, so on the internal side, I would I would go back to this idea I was talking about on Sunday, where like, I really want all of us to feel like we can uh, classify more things happening in our life as prayer so that we can like see the, the log book of relationship with God increase, that we can, we can all just kind of like believe it's happening more often than I thought it was. Um, and I wonder if that's, that's the place where this internal struggle, like makes me feel, um, worried, uh, uh, about people in our community, because it's like, when you have that dissonance, you're likely just to get kind of like trapped and caught in that cycle and then not ever get to the point of like, oh, I'm, I'm interacting with God. I'm feeling like I'm hearing his guidance. You're just kind of caught in the loop. Um, and so I, I wonder if they're like, I, I, I wonder how you feel about this, but I think on the internal side, I kind of want to like be really firm and clear and say like, Jesus is on the side of the oppressed. Like that's not up for debate. You know, that is... Like it, he, this is, he, he is, he is, uh, God becomes human from a marginalized, oppressed people in a specific empire. And then, and everything about the, uh, the, the animation of that God's ministry is because he's a non-powerful person, uh, in that, in that context. Um, and, and so I, I think like there, yeah, I just, I, I just want to like be as firm as possible because I think that 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 gets us away from all of those um, 
distracting, uh, dissonant feelings where we might wonder, like, I don't know, like, is God trustworthy? Because I, I just feel like having that bedrock sense of like, oh, the God I'm talking to is not secretly a monster is really important for a relationship with God to happen at all. Yeah, it's a good question. I think the th- the the experience of wrestling when I see the world around me perceiving Jesus in a way that seems so antithetical to who he he is to me, who I've experienced, who I've learned. Um, I think the generally the route I have taken is is trying to just grow in a sense of connection with him and and actually leaning into relationship with him. And so I have on one side a growing relationship in understanding the character of God, which is both ex- experiential, as I said, but it's also informed. It's like reading the Bible a lot. And then I'm also recognizing the way that my culture and my experiences would blind me on the other side of things. And so when I sit in those, I end up coming into a place where I do feel very firm. I do feel very uh, at peace in saying that Jesus stands with the marginalized. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like it, it, it's interesting that the into this once again, as we were talking about on Sunday, is how self-reflection is tied to being able to hear God's guidance. Um, I'm coming from this from a very like self-righteous perspective of like how how can how can the you know like I don't I don't want any dissonance in people's minds if the if the thing that's causing dissonance is some picture of Jesus that makes Jesus out to be anti-immigrant and like a white powerful slave owner do you know what i mean like i don't i don't want any picture like that i think self-righteousness is the right word here you know i think part of the fair critique of um largely white progressive and liberal people is that um at times there is a sense of self-righteousness in taking a progressive attitude and tone. Um, now, I think the, the challenge here is that it's, it's actually not about me. Um, yeah, so this is how we get from, this is how we get to the external side, right? Like, what do we do with that? Yeah. Tell, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not about me. And the truth is, uh, so as a human, I want to feel special. And as a human, I want to feel more important than you. And I, I want to feel like I'm I'm on the right side of in versus out. I want to feel on the right side of good versus bad. And the truth is, as somebody who grew up evangelical, that there's some pretty clear ways that I saw that from a more conservative angle, like good and bad, in versus out. You know, there's some pretty clear pictures of that. I, I often think the way that that plays out for people who might be marching for Black Lives Matter, particularly white people who are marching for Black Lives Matter, because if you're you're marching it from, a, a pos, in theory, a position of solidarity, in theory, a position of wanting to change society into a more just place. But when you're marching on behalf of an oppression you have not experienced, there's some, some real danger in just feeling good about yourself for it that i'm doing this because i get to be woke or i'm doing this because i get to be important i think that's why it's really key for us to understand that most people when they develop their opinions and they come to where they're at and understand the world is not a critically uh you know reasonable process it's a very emotional thing and it's very tied to our culture around us the truth is that for me Walking in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, for me, advocating for a more equitable world does not make me a more righteous person. It does not make me this important thing, because the truth is I still have so much to learn, and I have so much that I need to know, and the voices that I'm listening to internally 
are not the ones that are congratulating me for how good of a job I'm doing. It's the ones that are challenging me to say, yes, I care about this, but what are the ways that I'm actually moving this forward? And am I doing this for the sake mm. of a more equitable world? Am I doing this because I want the world to see what Jesus let? Or am I doing this because I kind of feel good to be angry at somebody else? I feel good and self-righteous for being woke. Or I wonder, I wonder if more often it's less like the, I want to feel so great about myself and it's more the insecurity of, I want to get the monkey off my back. Mm -hmm. I want to feel better about myself. Um, yeah, this is that's really good, Kyle. So, like, I think what 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 I'm what I'm intuiting from this conversation is like there is a balance between this like really firm internal stance of like don't let a a a picture of a powerful Jesus, which is not the picture of Jesus that is in the Gospels, um, don't let that. Um, taint what's going on inside for you. But at the same time, self-righteousness as an external strategy is not going to get us anywhere. And really, like we haven't even got we haven't even begun to talk about like how self-righteousness doesn't get anywhere if you are hoping to have a positive impact on another person. You've just been telling us how self-righteousness sucks for me <laughs> uh, as an external attitude. Uh, but certainly we could talk about the fact that, like, yeah, I mean, for those for those relationships, those, you know, one or two degree away people in our lives who we might feel like we can, you know, we have some competing views about who Jesus is. And I wonder if, if, if I could move you more in a direction of what it feels like the gospel say to me, um, I certainly don't think self-righteousness is going to help us in those conversations. Well, and we're not as clever as we think we are. We, you know, one thing we, <laughs> we always feel like we can hide our motivations and the truth is we're not really like great at it. Um, and especially in, in, in writing, like in text form. I just want to say that I love you, and uh, let me start out. <laughs> you know, and what I mean by that is, like, that's why I do think it really does start with yourself in a lot of ways. Um, because if I believe I am doing some kind of heroic work for standing um, for the marginalized, if, I'm, if mm -hmm. I believe that that is somehow making me this more enlightened and special person, it will come out and it will come out in, in both towards other people that don't share my, my views in a, a, a condescending way that, that makes it just look like I'm signaling how awesome I am. And it will come out in really damaging ways towards the people that have experienced oppression because it becomes that their suffering is now a way for you to experience. It's an avenue. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Whereas the mm -hmm. truth is if we just recognize like, uh, my life is made richer by living in a more just world. And I, and I, you know, I think this is one of those conversations, like, if given different circumstances in my life, I very easily could have ended up uh, in, in the positions of other people that I villainize, you know, people that I look at and shake my head at. And the truth is, I am, I am where I am because of a lot of things outside of my control. And so I need to, on one end, really live in that in a humble place and not be self-gratulatory. But then other, other hand, not be passive with what I have experienced. And I need yeah, to now use I, that voice and privilege to bring about something different. It's kind of the, the holding the tension of those two things is tough. Uh, that's Yeah, I think that's the next tension that I think is worth discussing. Because I, I think when we, uh, when we talk about not being self-righteous or self-congratulatory, um, I think what, what I hear you saying is not that you are any less uh, fervent or strident in holding to 
that you know like you you are not like that doesn't that doesn't mean that you make more space for the competing views of Jesus that you feel are in in incomplete or 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 you know completely egregious mm-hmm. um it you sound just as aggressively making clear no not that but that is possible to be done or at least it it's possible to pursue doing that in a not self-righteous way and that's what we should be shooting for am i reading you correctly you are, and I think maybe it's it's helpful to take a step back for me to say, like, I do walk in a sense of of sympathy, compassion towards why people end up with worldviews that they end up with, and I don't look at them as, like, these totally bankrupt, terrible people. What I look at is people that grew up in context that, that created the viewpoints they have. However, I can still say that that is actually, that's an incredibly... Uh, prejudiced and full of of racism what's going on in those those conversations it's coming out of a total place of of ignorance a total place of lack of understanding and so when we start this whole point and you're talking about how like you see on social media people you care about people you know who are talking about things that feel so antithetical from who jesus was how i wrestle with that is i say well, that's just not who Jesus, like, I don't experience Jesus to be that way. No experience I have of who Jesus uh, has lived out in my life, making me a soft-hearted, more open, more loving, more inclusive human being. Nor do I look at the Jesus of the Bible, humble the exalted, exalt the humble, becoming the scapegoat and dying on behalf of other people, being the religious minority in the midst of an empire. None of those things tell me that Jesus would be on the side of the oppressors here. That's just none. So I'm not, I'm not just guessing my way there. And, but when I come to those places, I can say, well, that's just wrong. And I want to help that person. If I, if there's a way that I can have an actual conversation, not on social media, I want to share my experiences with that person and, and try to help them talk through the, what I've come to see. But at the same time, that person is just living out an expression of their culture. And unfortunately the way that Christianity has grown in our country has been so full and so tied into, uh, you know, American conservatism that those two things are just, you know, intermingled in a way that's almost impossible for, for us to, to pull apart. I remember hearing uh, Brian McLaren, a, a pretty prolific writer on spirituality, who's now uh, connected with the Center for Action and Contemplation. Um, he, uh, he spoke about um, how to engage in conversations if we're thinking about uh, walking that line of like, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you being very clear uh, when it is you're talking about uh, this, this is the Jesus I see, this is my experience, but at the same time, not self-righteous. And one phrase, like a stock phrase that he kind of threw in, he said, I wonder, I wonder how this one feels to you. It's um, the phrase, uh, wow, I see that differently. And, um, and he, he said, try that one on for size. Wow, I see that differently. The, um, the way that that comes out of you, the tones that it pulls out, the attitude that it pulls out um, is, is uh, what he was suggesting, a really helpful way to begin a conversation with somebody who maybe sees Jesus or God a very different way than you. Um, but this allows it to be, you know, to, to, to name and be very clear that, you know, like I see that differently, but also to do so in, in a way that uh, almost like the wow, uh, word I think is a really interesting choice because it, um, it almost signals grief more than it signals self-righteousness. Um, like, oh, this really affects me that I see things so differently. So once again, very clear, very much like inviting, like, we need to talk about this because this matters to me and this feels really significant. I'm not just going to be passive here. 
Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't take you in a direction where you're about to moralize somebody or make them feel small um, to get the monkey off your back or to make yourself feel more elevated. You know, I think at the heart of this question for all of this is why, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Hmm. And I think that often we get very different answers of why people believe what they believe when you actually get down to it. Is it like, do I believe something because uh, I, I thought about it critically, took a step back? I, I believe something because of my efforts to try to understand it more. I believe something because of my experiences validated it as true. Or do I, be, or do I believe something because I've, I was told that this is what's the stake of my cultural exception? You know, I think that there's been lots of studies that find the more religiously devout you are, the worse you are at critical thinking. And I think that this is very much tied into the misuse of Jesus. It's because I think that the way that modern evangelicalism has grown in our country has been to erode our critical thinking skills and even asking critical questions of faith the bible of those is almost to put your faith and you're in this in jeopardy i know i experienced that growing up there was like a, a level of acceptable questioning before you're actually like your questions are putting you outside of like the fold um and so i think because of how that's happening the reason we believe what we believe is is often very different reasons and so i, I say that both in a probably fairly critical way of people who who come to the conclusion that jesus would somehow be against black lives matters and i would say what led you to that conclusion like what mm. what informs that belief in you um, wow, I see that differently. <laughs> yeah, wow, I see that differently. And also for ourselves of asking our question, why do I believe this? Like, what is leading mm -hmm. me to this belief? And actually being mm -hmm. asking critical questions, because I think that there will be there will be ways that that changes. Like, I know in my own life, there was a, a period in my life where I believed, uh, as a high school student, that um, uh, being LGBTQ in an active relationship was a wrong thing. And over time, asking myself, why do I believe that? I realized it had much more to do with wanting to be in alignment with my culture and my church mm -hmm. and my in-group than actual critical thinking, actually reading through the Bible and finding that as a clear conclusion. It had more, or my own experiences with my, the LGBTQ friends that I had in my own life. I think there's a sense for me of like, when I've actually changed perspectives, it's been when I when I actually took a step back and why I believe those. And then the things that I feel total resolute, why do I believe Jesus is on the end of the marginalized? Because I've tried to step back and I, I believe that because I, I think when you read scripture, it says that. I think when you look through history, it shows us uh, the, 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 the people, the heroes of faith that we look to are those that are fighting towards justice. And in my own life, it has been an experience of seeing God most at live, most alive in the times where I was growing myself in a way that was more open, inclusive, and understanding, and humbling myself in the ways that I had power and privilege. Mm. And so maybe this kind of final beat from you is in the in the in the way that externally that the the dissonance between competing Jesuses causes so much angst. Uh, perhaps the best thing you can do is is what you're modeling there for us, Kyle is. Uh, is offer a level of vulnerability to discuss the why's question, like what, why, what's underneath that? Why do I believe that? Um, and that can maybe, um, that can, that can help get past the gridlock of like 
a uh, a because the Bible says so uh, Mm -hmm. type of uh, conversation. Um, And yeah, and so I can I I think anytime we can we can model that sort of um, critical thinking, self-reflection, vulnerability, uh, you are more likely to um, to see that happen with your conversation partner. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts for us, Kyle, before we close up? Yeah, I, I would say my, my last thing is something that I often give is advice um, when people are thinking about having hard conversations with close people in their lives that think differently. Okay. And it is to ask yourself, what am I wanting to get out of this conversation? And do I think I will get it? And the, the, the two pieces of it are, what am I trying to get out of the conversation? I'm trying to change their mind or I'm trying to, you know, get make sure that we can feel more connected. And asking yourself, do I think that that is likely? No. So why am I having the conversation? Because I, 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 if I'm, I'm just, whereas I think is a much better question is uh, asking myself, why do I want to have this conversation? Because it feels important that I am not staying silent. And although I don't think I can change this person's mind, it is important that I am, if their mind is ever going to be changed, is is going to be a, kind of a part of rock in that building um, for for change of perspective. And that is likely that's going to happen. And so I just think often we walk into conversations with the wrong motivations in them or the wrong Mm -hmm. understandings. And then we, our expectations are impossible to be met. We're we're very unlikely going to have like a kumbaya moment with somebody who thinks differently than about race. So we try to, and, and when you know what your goals are, then you can pursue those goals. If you're trying to say, hey, I'm protesting here, like I'm having this conversation to say this is unacceptable, then my goal in that conversation is not going to be pushing towards like connection and reconciliation in the same way. I I just think that it's important that we understand what we're trying to achieve in conversations and and try to figure out if we actually think that those are possible rather than putting ourselves in conversations where we're constantly being disappointed because we have mismatched expectations on what's going to happen in them. Yeah, and to build off of that, I suppose my final thought would be that a changed mind and um, connection where it feels like connection is not possible are not the only good virtuous things to pursue uh, when we're considering whether or not to speak. Um, and so one, one thing you already mentioned is like living in accordance with your values is is a, is a really wonderful feeling. When, you know, like when I'm, I'm sure that we've all had experiences where we did something that was like, that is in accordance with the, the human being that I want to be, the person I want to be. And that, is, I mean that's a deep well. Like I think God lives there and gives us life when we do that. And so, uh, so that's a very worthwhile goal. Um, if we have that in mind going into a conversation, then even if it goes poorly, that can still be a life-giving uh, experience to us. Even if it's hard, we can still um, be consoled and fed spiritually by the fact that we lived according to our values. So that's a good goal to have in mind. And then another good goal uh, that I think we've discussed before in, in the church settings is that um, changed minds isn't the only um, isn't the only thing that that moves um, the discussion in society. Also, moving the window of what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. Absolutely, uh, and. And so like when we, if we call out something because we feel like, you know, like this, Jesus lives here and and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to just let Jesus be claimed by something that is, that to me feels like morally reprehensible. If we claim that and we, and we bring that up, what it, in, it may not ever change the person's mind that we're talking to, 
But if it adds to the sense that like, look, the window of, of um, these are what, these are things that I can say and not get flack for is shifted in, in a direction where like, oh my gosh, like if I say that I might get called out, like that's, that's actually good pressure. You know, that, that's like what we've been talking about with like the, the reason that Amazon has Black Lives Matter on the front page of its, like w Amazon has that because if they don't, they get raked through the coals in the court of public opinion. That's an example of, a, a voice from the margins changing the conversation that's happening in society as a whole, which is an incredible thing that does not happen often. And when it does, I think we see Jesus there. Not like we got the civil rights um, bill passed because all of the hearts and minds of the politicians changed. got changed. No, right. it came right. to a place where it was not actually tenable for them to hold on to the old. We did not get women's suffrage because the hearts and minds of men were changed. It's because when things move on a social level, it changes things. You know, people say, yep. I was listening, I, I'm blanking on the the owner of the quote, but um, that the 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 hard part of the shocking part of charlottesville was not that there was white supremacists marching it's that they weren't wearing hoods is that there was almost a sense mm -hmm. of like where sh culture had shifted under trump is maybe it's not necessarily that his words are always racist it's that he was creating space for social acceptability for white supremacist perspectives and then what happened is you had people marching that didn't even feel like i have to hide my face anymore i can yeah. just be open yeah. and on the other end of it on the other end of that yes saying yeah. saying to somebody hey that's you know when you said that that felt how wow i see that differently that i that <laughs> seems nice. really hard that to me is not taking into lots of uh, historical uh, systemic racism it's not taking into consideration power difference it's not taking into consideration the human experience of disenfranchisement uh and then all of a sudden over time people will realize maybe this isn't acceptable for me to say out loud and you know the forget who owned this quote as well your 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 racism is not my problem um but when your racism can be lived out against me then it becomes my problem so it's a sense mm -hmm. of like we do need to shift what is acceptable publicly because although we do want to eliminate racism across our country we may not be able to achieve that but what we can do is make it so that racism in action becomes unacceptable in our community and then therefore we create a safer and more accessible and inclusive space for all people very good all right so some thoughts on both the internal and external dissonance provided by competing jesus's uh, hopefully this feels helpful. Hopefully uh, our podcasts here in the midweek have been helpful to you. If so, we want to hear about it. If they've not been helpful, if you have some feedback in the opposite direction, we also want to hear that. So please let us know at brownlinechurch at gmail.com and we want to continue the conversations as we go forward. Uh, until Sunday, uh, we're signing off. We'll see you then. And if you do want to help develop the competing Jesus video game in a Mortal Kombat style... <laughs> Please call, call Kyle. Please call yeah. me. I'm very interested. His phone number is... No, just kidding. <laughs> we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.